Rangers, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my loving co-host, Kennedy. Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing today, brother? You know, I'm okay. I'm tired, but I'm okay. Yeah, what a stressful week, man. I mean, other than the political stuff that's been going on in the in the United States of America, uh, I think that uh, just in general, like this holiday season has just been wild, you know, yeah. combined with the pandemic and everything. And yeah. like having Power Rangers to escape to. And I think Zio is kind of one of those weird seasons because it oddly like fits the emotional distress <laughs> that seems to be plaguing us as of late. Yeah, Zio is so weird because it's like, I don't know, it's like this kind of nonsensical fantasy, but it's a sort of appealing fantasy at the same time. It's it's definitely the weirdest season we've seen so far. And I just, I didn't know how to feel about it so much of the time. I don't know, it's <laughs> it's perplexing, it's a mystery, but it's a beautiful mystery. It, that's one thing I can say for sure about Zio. Um, I think this is just an incredible looking season. Like they've been trying to like nail the look, you know, for over the first three seasons. And it really felt like with Zio, they figured it out. They figured out how to like bridge all the gaps between the footages. Um, they figured out how to make everything look fantastic. Um, every set looks great. The costumes look great. I don't know. It just felt like a really like visually the season is a huge success and it's a treat for the eyes and not just because everything just looks great arbitrarily, but also because like the visual storytelling of the season is very interesting. They get up to a lot of weird visual stuff. Yeah. I like the snowboarding. <laughs> I've got to agree. This is a season that you can't really watch on its own. Not as like a filler guide. Not at all. Actually, I no. would say. You need to be invested in these characters to truly appreciate this season. Uh, like, there's a couple of, like, standalone episodes here that I think, like, you can show somebody. And it would be really, really neat. But I think to truly appreciate these episodes, you've got to be invested in their characters on screen. I think that was evident in the best and worst episode. Like Rachel was the most confused guest that we've ever had on a best and worst episode. And it wasn't her fault. It wasn't like she wasn't trying, you know what I mean? But she, it was just like, these episodes were just like, so like hallucinogenic and like packed with like crazy, bizarre information that only makes sense. If you've like not, not just been here for the whole season, but like you say, been here basically since day one, it really feels like Zio is like this attempt to like culminate and resolve a lot of things that have been going on since the very beginning, which is kind of wild in a way. And part of what makes it kind of cool, even if it is like imperfect, because like the Tommy Jason arc resolves like their emotional journey of like who's in charge, who's the leader and who's got the power and who maybe owes who or things like that all those questions are finally kind of put to rest a couple of like really good things happened this season right like we finally get yeah. rocky character development that isn't in the filler uh, he becomes a character <laughs> yeah and actually he's not the worst character this season 
And like what we what we talk about Zio, we're talking about this just emotional season of people who don't necessarily act as moral paragons. I feel you you get yeah. a lot of like emotionally distressing moments for a bunch of the characters. The only person who seems to really have it all together is Tanya. Tanya seems to be the 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 solid rock character where all the characters can kind of lean on her advice for the mm -hmm. most part and be great. Cause we we start seeing the the cracks in people's personalities and outright character flaws. Right? Yeah. I, and I'm not gonna try and spoil the the Ranger rankings ahead of time, but we start seeing Tommy accept that he's an imperfect person. We start yeah. seeing Rocky come out of his shell and be this weird, goofy guy that he always has been. We see yeah. Adam kind of just, like, frustrated with he, the team. He really, he kind of becomes the rebel unexpectedly. Because at first he's sort of like, Adam is almost the, like, too perfect foot soldier when he shows up. He's, like, ready and raring to go. He's fine with being a Power Ranger. He's fine with whatever that means. He has a good attitude. He's there. Like, that's Adam as he's, like, kind of initially presented when he arrives. And, and, like, and here he just seems confused, almost. Like, he, his character doesn't know what to do. Most of the time, he looks upset on screen. I'm not going to lie. When he, yeah. he always has a concerned look on his face or he's upset about something. There's, there was never really a shining moment for Adam's character in this season, I would think, actually, at all. And then we see Billy, of course, go through huge character developments here as he exits the show. And that comes with knowing what happened behind the scenes now here in 2020 with right. the rampant homophobia happening behind the scenes and how they exited this character and that how that affects the on-screen performances for everybody. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah, this is a very emotional season for all of us here. Um, There's a lot of romance, too, and a lot of uh, growing up plotline. There's a lot of emotional storytelling, a lot of character-based storytelling. Um, even on the, with, on the villain side, too, right? The villain side involves, like, a lot of, like, familial trust and betrayal issues. The whole, like, Rita and Zed versus King Mondo stuff, you know, starts to become, like, this very... You start to really get to see this side of the villains of this type of insecurity that, like, you didn't know that they were going to be, incap that they were going to be capable of initially. Like, Lord Zed and Rita had initially kind of butted heads, but then they just joined forces and it was just like whatever to some extent in terms of like they weren't really power struggling against who, which of us is more powerful or more evil or whatever. It was just like, we'll just take over the galaxy together. It's fine. Um, but like with the introduction of King Mondo, Rita and Zed are on this emotional journey too. And then King Mondo also is being undermined by them and it's affecting him. Like King Mondo starts out so composed he starts out the most composed of any villain we've had so far. Just just striding in like, ah, a worthy challenge. <laughs> like, like fucking supervillain. 
just like diabolical shit that just like really makes you feel like, wow, this is a different caliber of villain. And he completely loses his confidence over the course of the season for so many reasons. So like the villains also have like a more emotional storytelling side to like what's going on with them this season and like more complex. Yeah. I mean, let's just get into it. So we start Zio with the Zio's beginning, which you guys heard our part one episode, hopefully at this point. And if you didn't, basically we were pretty positive going into it. I think I was probably the most critical at about reading it at about low six, but even I said that for the character developments that did happen, I thought mostly it was in a positive trajectory. I was just a mm-hmm. bit worried about some of the stinky parts, which was namely bulk and skull esque moments. Again, uh. I always seem to fault every single Power Ranger season on the bulk and skull plot lines, but season three proved that you can do bulk and skull good. Actually, I think it was two. Season two is the season where they're trying to investigate the Power Rangers. Is that the one are. that we were positive on? Were we not positive yeah. on the fact that they were cops? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I have to say that them being a private detective is almost as bad as their season one. Yeah. I think if, like I think their season one was definitely the most annoying. Uh, and then it probably goes Zio and then uh, season three and then season two. But yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think like as we get into it and as we get further along, you'll see what starts to become the negatives for me is actually what is the Power Rangers formula, right? The more an episode sticks to a formula of the way they do plots and, and the way they do plot twists and stuff like that in an episode, the worse it is, right? Because when yeah. you get those like casual bulk and skull plot lines that are just ultimately like supposed to be just comedy and are atypical it's a new it's not it's time consuming to watch you really feel time slow down this is just too mundane in a way like them just kind of like wandering around and it also feels like you've given the knuckleheads this power that they did not need both in the sense of like it's actually disturbing but also like from a comedic standpoint they aren't really being enabled by this. And if anything, like it almost feels like a like a power level mismatch. It's just funny. We're talking about Bulk and Skull's power level here now. Um, but like in season two, they investigate who the Rangers are. They do this before they become cops. And now there is a way that they tie it in together of like, oh, this is like sort of the inspiration for why they want to be detectives or whatever. But like it would have been better if they had reversed these plot lines from like a power levels perspective, right? Like, or something like, it just doesn't even seem to make sense because it seems like they're, it seems like they're like dumber now than they were in like seasons one or two. Like they're, they're just like complete buffoons. Skull just like a lot of his scenes, like he just laughs and that's like all he's doing. He's not even like talking. He's just like, ah, I'm not going to lie, like, he seems drunk. Yeah, he seems kind of fucked up or something. Yeah, like, like his performances came off as if like he was just drunk. Because his like, sentences got dumber. He lost like 20 IQ this season. Most of his comedy is just facial expressions. It just seemed like, for some reason, the bulk and skull like, age rating got even lower. That they were appealing to an even younger audience. 
and simultaneously it's like the plots of the power rangers is appealing to an older audience so what a contradiction right like yeah this is the first season that i've had to go back and rewatch episodes because when i watched them i was too high it was too because <laughs> there was they were balancing so many plates on some of the episodes to where like i was getting like my eyes were glazing over the details. So I actively like went back and watched it sober. And I was just like, my God, you know? Yeah. I mean, y'all know me. Like if you've been listening to this show, like I'm the one with like the, the vice like memory for watching stuff. And even I, there are episodes that I watch twice that I can barely describe. Like it's really tough with this season to like take it all in. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's almost too much at times, but then in a way it's good at times. Like the like it at moments it hits this like ideal amount of like just like you're slightly overstimulated and it's perfect. Like but then there's other times where it's just like, okay, there's like 50 things going on in this episode and I cannot keep track of them. I have no idea what's going on. Like it hits more than it misses though. <laughs> It does. And it there aren't any serious, like really bad misses. At the same time, I don't know that there's like a nine out of ten episode hardly. Like I feel like my best episodes were still like if I was really being as objective as possible, maybe not even nines. You know what I mean? Like it's I don't know. There's no business there's no business like snow business part one. That's that's a nine, yeah. Homie. Yeah, <laughs> and I would also say, actually, um, the, the other one for sure, if I'm really, like, diving deep, would be A Golden Homecoming. I didn't have any faults with that episode at all. Dude, um, I gotta say, man, Ranger of Two Worlds Part 1, with the Rita, Rita getting a more powerful wand and her turning a pink pillow or pink purse into, like, this formidable creature that just soaks up all of their attacks <laughs> and shit. Really just the the two-parter, that two-parter in general, if you put the two parts together, that's like... In the context of the show, it's it's a fantastic two-parter. It's really good. Uh, it's the really problem good. is the behind-the-scenes stuff makes it really shitty. It, yeah, I know, it's, that's part of why I'm having... I don't even know how to judge this season because of so many different reasons. That's one of them that like really makes it difficult because like obviously that hits close to home for me. And like... Uh, you know, it's just like, ugh, like, great. Like, Billy, one of the characters that, like, I relatively liked a fair bit was driven off of the show instead of potentially being the Gold Ranger um, because of homophobia. So great. Wonderful. Love that. Like, ah, fucking sucks. Yeah. And ugh. they purposefully made Billy graduate early in the graduation blues. So that way they yeah. couldn't, they didn't have to give any like slice of life stuff with Billy in it and that he would just, just be IT tech. And he seemed really, he seemed really like distraught about it. Like he wanted to still be in high school because he still wanted to be with his friends. Yeah. So it just seemed very alienating for Billy already. Yeah. And then what did he do? He went to Aquatar without even saying goodbye. Yeah. You know, before we even get to graduation blues, I do want to talk about the shooting star and mm. the shooting star. That's the first Zord fight. So they do another Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, season two and three, I believe 
both did the same thing where they change up the Zords halfway through the season. Yeah. And this one is the same thing. The, the first set of Zords appears in the shooting star. I do think yeah. that this should have been a part of the opening arc. Like, you should always include a Zord fight in your opening arc. Yeah, they don't really have a, a Zord fight in the opening arc, um, which was one of our, like, complaints, was that, like, there was kind of a lack of that feeling. And, like, as much as we want them to, like, maybe cut some of the chaff in these, like, multi-part episodes, it would have been better to just call this a three-parter in some ways. I felt that way a few times during Zeo. Like, they had these episodes that are, like, kind of two-parters. And sometimes it's, it's like, a halfway thing. Like, the end of the season is like that, too. Where yes. it's, like, uh, the last two episodes are clearly kind of a two-parter, but also kind of not. It's very confusing. Um. <laughs> yeah, the shooting star actually features Tanya as a prominent B-plot, where the guy she's seeing... Uh, wants to cheat on a test. They're supposed <laughs> to study together. Yeah. And he wants to cheat on a test. And he has like a cheat sheet and all this other stuff. And Tanya's like, I don't want to be with a man who cheats. Because if you cheat on a test, you'll cheat on me. <laughs> <laughs> the Interesting logic. <laughs> that's essentially what it boils down to. Yeah, uh, the, a sure. the A plot is uh, King Mondo is gauging the Power Rangers power. Sends Cogs down, fails. You get treated to some pretty good fight scenes. They don't do that we're back music. Thank God. Uh, and <laughs> the Zeo music in here is really good because it's essentially more remixes of Mighty Morphin with heavy guitars. It seems like instead of Metallica, they went for a more Avenged Sevenfold style of guitar work. <laughs> Yeah, I like the Zeo songs. Not not to be clear. Okay, let's just really break this down. So Zeo introduces like more like yeah, in the same way the movie had some soundtrack songs that didn't really sound like Power Rangers. Zeo has some soundtrack songs that don't really sound like Power Rangers, and this is not to its benefit. I want to be really clear about that. Um cuz like just just the basic chugging power metal in the background all the time is actually better than like switching it up to something that sounds fucking stupid. Um <laughs> on the other hand, the good Zeo songs are amazing. Like I, it's some of my favorite Power Rangers music yet, for sure. Like the music is honestly just kind of consistently improved every season for the most part. And like this is no exception. Um the the I want to say like, this is the best one, right? Yeah, I love it. The big choral zero, like, and and the way that they the way that they use that sample in this sort of like sci-fi mystical kind of way, where it's like they'll be doing something, and then it's like the metal choir zero quietly in the background. That's so brilliant, honestly. Like, it's really a good, it's really a good just like audio element of the season in general. Um, I love the I love the Zeo specific fucking Power Rangers metal that we had this season. Yeah, I, I loved it a lot. Uh, I honestly, no complaints. This was the best soundtrack so far. Gotta say, hands down. And you feature Billy giving up. He like Billy still gets a bunch of voice lines as the IT support. Like he's still pretty prominent. He's still out there, like basically doing uh, Barbara Gordon Oracle shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's pretty yeah. cool. I love to see that. 
The Zords themselves, I think these are the best looking Zords. These are the best looking... Okay, okay, okay. I still say the Red Dragon Zord in Season 2 is mm. so fucking good. Fuck, that's a good Zord. At some point, we'll have to do like a retrospective where we... Remember how we said we would do a retrospective where we rank a bunch of the Rangers all the way back through like a ton of seasons? We need to do the same thing, but for Zords at some point. Shh, you're giving away patreon ideas <laughs> we definitely will do that for sure uh almost all of the zords in this one look really good i have zero yeah. complaints about the first sword like even the green ranger taurus sword is like fucking pog pretty, as fuck dude pretty fucking cool yeah and like the fact that when they're not put together they have to like like what are the zords i think is the guns or something like that or it doesn't have guns on the zords themselves so they have to carry big ass cannons and shit and like the way they transform to go into full like the full complete set into the battle mode that shit is awesome dude i love it i love it so yeah. much uh, and the, the the megazord is not exactly inspired but it is good i think I like the whole fact that they're in the chairs and it comes in together like via a track system. A cockpit is incredible. Yes, they did a really good job on the cockpit. Be because it's all like a magnetic train system, you could just tell that like their feet are just dangling in that shit. It has to be because they'd feel way too cramped otherwise, but I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Uh, they have the Sword of Damocles, it seems like. And it's it's just a it's a good it's a good Zord fight here in the Shooting Star. Good introduc introduction to these new Zords. No complaints. Is I I just wouldn't rank it among the best and, just because the the B plot isn't that enticing. And what's cool about this too is that as we kind of got a hint of in the intro and hoped for, Billy helped design these Zords. Like that's just a cool thing to be able to like credit him for. Does he say that? It's I can't remember if he says it or Alpha says it, but it's Billy and Alpha definitely like worked on the new Zords together some. And like so it's like Billy directly like contributed to like the design and everything of these Zords. And I don't know. I, I definitely like thought about that sometimes when I was like thinking about like Billy and like, you know, especially how he got screwed this season. It's like, well, one nice thing is like at least I got to like hold with me the idea that these sweet ass Zords. Like, that's Billy's handiwork, you know? Well, yeah, according to the Power Rangers Wikia, Billy, it's like a common theory that Billy designed the turbo powers. And that's what he was doing off screen. Mm. <laughs> that's Ranger what he was doing stuff. while yeah. it was off screen during the Gold Ranger stuff. Which actually would make sense of him being like, oh, it's too bad you guys don't have more power. You know what I mean? Like, like him like kind of dropping those type of lines like that would kind of make sense of it in a way if he I think was that's like, what they were gonna do yeah well i think originally maybe they he was actually gonna be the gold ranger you know before things really went too far south i don't know yeah because like, he did multiple like exits initially. yeah he did multiple really exits in the show initially. yeah yeah well i mean um, you had the end of season two right with the the gold ranger statue and then you have like mm -hmm. this this mysterious figure that goes away when Billy's not present, it seems like. And unfortunately, this season never explains it. It never, it never commits to any theory as to why Billy 
is away. He just goes, oh, well, I'm just working on something important. And that's it. And then the next thing you know, Billy's going through a whole fucking aging process at the end of the season. I, I'm definitely going with the theory that it's he was working on the Turbo Zords. I, that makes sense to me. Like, you know, he's he's he starts the season saying, like, you know, I'm I'm a little sad that I don't have powers, but hey, I'm gonna get into fucking Zord crafting, which honestly is literally the coolest thing that anyone could ever do. Period. Just full stop. <laughs> like, oh, what do I do? I make fucking Zords. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think um, last episode when we were talking about how the Sentai footage was insane, uh, mm-hmm. especially on, I believe it was on the power of gold. Mm. The Sentai footage here shows dismemberment in the in the Zord fight, and not just like the casual arm chop. I'm talking like you see. The guts of like a robot, yeah, and stuff like that, like on the ground and shit. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I I would say I would like to see the Sentai that this is based off of, which I think is O Ranger. Yeah, I think that we definitely got to add that to the watch list, Kennedy, because I think I that, agree. I think the Sentai footage this season is just just crazy, just absolutely bonkers, dude. I would do anything to just watch more of these Power Rangers suits also. This particular set of suits. I want to see what they do with the Red Ranger. Yeah, I want to see the Red Ranger plotline. Because the suit is too interesting to not have an interesting plotline behind it. And the Gold Ranger? I want to know what the Gold Ranger is like in the original. That's got to be cool as shit. Come on. Oh, yeah. The Gold Ranger suit... This is, in my opinion, for sure, the best Power Rangers suit we've seen so far. I know I've said this in previous episodes, but I'm just going to reiterate it here in the season recap. This Gold Ranger suit is so fucking cool. Like, goddamn. And, and, and the way that they, like, transition uh, Jason in and out of it a lot of the time is, like, part, like, the gold parts of the armor, like, appear first or disappear last kind of yeah in like the way it transitions and it's a really cool looking transition um there's just like something about it that it has that like just right mechanical feeling to it or something i don't know i really liked it yeah God, just, i would definitely watch that for sure yeah because I, I would just love to see more of that suit period <laughs> yeah no i agree after the shooting star and graduation blues where Billy leaves to Aquatar, we have Mr. Billy's Wild Ride, which is something that Kennedy and I made the executive decision to add it to the filler guide because essentially it was going to go graduation blues and then the mm-hmm. power of gold. And graduation of blues ends with Billy going to Aquatar, and then in the power of gold, he's just back in the base. Like it's no big deal. Yeah, this was, that was like, I was confused as hell, honestly, and I was like struggling to piece together the timeline and going back and watching Mr. Billy's Wild Ride was definitely essential to understanding what the fuck was going on. Billy Um, also being secretive in this episode about what he was doing on Aquatar and why did he have to pilot a ship? Because like the the theory is, is that you could just teleport from Aquatar to straight to the base, right? Because he's a part of the morphing grid now. He's connected to the grid. So why wouldn't you do that? He was like, piloting a ship because he was bringing Zord parts. 
that's exactly like if if you were transporting something that you didn't want detected because one thing we see a lot in this season is king mondo is intercepting their communications to other planets he's intercepting a lot of he sets up sensors a lot and stuff like he's really good at like detecting and like sussing out what the rangers might be up to compared to like zed and rita who are often like completely blindsided when the power rangers would like pull like a trick from way up their sleeve you know um king mondo is like no i i, I realized that you were trying to pull one over on me and i've been like working to mitigate the damage since i figured this out or whatever so the idea that billy would be flying this ship specifically because he was transporting something that king mondo absolutely could not know about or intercept would make perfect sense but unfortunately they don't really explain <laughs> Yeah, they don't really outright say it or be explicit with it. But I will say the director of photography in this episode, fantastic. 10 oh, out yeah. of 10. Beautiful. Uh, honestly, it, this is a really good episode. I think this was a solid 8. I think some of the some of the writing was a bit off just because like, yeah. it was a lot of throwaway lines and a lot of fluff. But it I felt think there was a lot of good intrigue. And suspense. Yeah. It was like a sci-fi thriller almost. Yeah, uh, it reminded me of like that one Battlestar Galactica episode where the person is stuck in a viper way out in the middle of nowhere and has to try to like get back or something like that. Like it had that same kind of vibe of like, I don't know, that like that tension where it's just like, is Billy going to make it home? Yeah. It is like this really real feeling. And yeah, I would say where the only places where the episode really lets you down is like when it doesn't take that seriously enough. For yeah, because you'll you get like an attitude from Billy where he'll say a line and it's just like, oh no, guys. Right? It's just like, it's so bad. And and we both know that Billy can act way better than that, but it, it has to be know the writing. That this show. This show can be more dramatic than that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did That's we cut decent. it to there's no business likes no business? <laughs> so part one was my favorite, one of my favorite episodes of the season. Part two and part three is more of the same. Part one is definitely my favorite part of the three-parter, but the the way these episodes escalate is... You normally in real life, right? There's like a stop sign <laughs> and you observe the stop sign and you obey the stop sign. <laughs> and the way they treated this Heather plot, it's like every time you think it would be like, oh, okay, this is a good moment to stop and have uh, Heather get over Tommy and Tommy can learn from this, right? Nope. Heather goes all the way. Every single mental block you would normally have about going to see a teenager in a high school and try and date them after they've already said no, after they've already rejected your advances, after all of this stuff. And they just they just went they just went for it, dude. They just went for it. I will say there's something in the, not in the movie, but in the intro of Turbo 
that strongly suggests that Tommy graduated ahead of a bunch of the other Rangers. But I'm not sure when that would have been. Like, I'm confused about that part. That's what I'm saying, so, man. It has to be, like, community college. It has to be community college. Like, anytime they say Grove but then High... Why, no, but the problem... I like your theory because it makes me feel better about things. But the <laughs> problem with that theory is that Billy literally graduates and is sad about graduating. If he knew that, like, he was going to do community college... And like stay in the same building, he probably wouldn't give a shit. Like, yeah, because they all have classes together. They were all like, because they went through high school together and they were like, oh, okay, let's sign up for the same classes. They all majored in coding. So, like, yeah, they, they all signed up for the same classes and now they're not <laughs> together anymore. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Heather goes all the way in there's yeah. no business like snow business. Like, I, there's not really too much to say. There's more of, like, you know, King Mondo trying to interfere in Tommy's love life. And, then and like, realistically, though, if you're a Power Ranger, you'd be hard-pressed to date someone who, who's not a Power Ranger, who yeah. hasn't had that Power Ranger experience. Because that lifestyle is just way too rough. And if you're yeah. not allowed to, uh, like, identify yourself as saying, like, hey, by the way, I'm a Power Ranger then yeah. yeah, it's just not going to work out. And there's like a scene in part two where Heather is like, Tommy gets a moment with Heather and Tommy is like, oh, I don't, guys, you could come hang out with me. It's okay. I don't need to be with Heather alone. And, you know, Billy is like too focused on being a good wingman. You know, he's getting too into the weeds. He can't get out of it. And uh, Kat is just like, ah, oh, well, I'm not good enough for Tommy. Maybe Heather is because she's a famous uh, snowboarder. So and they're not dating yet. Yeah, they're not explicitly dating yet, even though they're obviously into each other. Yeah. So Heather, so Kat's just like, ah, okay, yeah, let's give Tommy his space with Heather. And Tommy's like, I kind of don't want to be with Heather alone. Please, I'm, hang I'm, out I'm with me. I'm 17, she's 28, and there's something going on here. But yeah, th there's a vibe that's, I don't know. Tommy looks uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And then they finally get a moment alone, and Tommy's all like, ah, look at the scenery. Doesn't this look pretty? And she's like, yeah. And then like he's looking away, and she's all like leaning in for the kiss, and is like <laughs> straight up giving like the kissy face. And he goes, oh, and, you know, whatever. It gets interrupted and shit. He, like, looks away when he notices she's trying to kiss him. Clear rejection. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird sequence of events. She goes, Bizarre. okay, well, obviously he's not into me. So let's just leave it at that. And then Cat tries to set up some dinner to make up for the fact that, you know, the Power Rangers interrupted their their whole thing. Heather then agrees to go to the high school and have a candlelit dinner with Tommy. Someone say stop at some point. Someone, someone, turn off the ride. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, halt this machine. Throw on the emergency brake. Whatever you got to do. This is. You know what's funny? What? I I obviously obviously this was written by a dude, right? Like obviously this was written by a dude, and that you would think that this situation is like not realistic. But I actually know a woman that did this. Oh, yeah. I think it's more common than people realize. Not to say that it's, like, happening... Um, Rampantly or anything. Right. right. But, like, but I, I but actually I know someone, IRL, who is, like, in her 20s and went to a high school to pick this guy up from the high school. And I'm just like, bro. Really? Like at what point does your what point does your mental headspace throw up that stop sign? The worst part is is the guy could be wearing like a backpack coming out of school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which makes it so much worse in my head picturing this. Yeah, I don't even know. And Heather in the Power Rangers is one of those ladies. Yeah. 100% and it's so cringe. It's so cringe to so watch. So uncomfortable. But part one, part one for the memes, it's amazing. 10 out of 10 episode. Yes. It, it, it is a crime to give it any less than a 10. The boys to men music video, the widow maker, the mutual look between Tommy and Billy as they agree like, yeah, dude, if a threesome breaks out of this, we're a-okay. It's all good. It's not gay. <laughs> cat getting chased by cogs down a <laughs> down a mountain skiing as they're fucking shredding some fresh powder yeah it's great amazing amazing 90s vibes just all around love it you love to see it but yeah. yeah man the rest of the parts in this it's just like they just kept going and this is a kid's show that's the thing like my wife was looking at me and even at part one she was like this is a kid's show why are you yeah. giving me a highlight reel of this guy like kissing Kimberly on screen for like two minutes while Boys to Men plays in the background? <laughs> Again, you have to be fully invested, like you were saying at the start. Like, how could you even watch that and appreciate it slightly if Zeo was like your first season? You know what I mean? I mean, you can appreciate like the the just the amazingness of the boys to men music video part, but like, how could you appreciate like what's happening at all? Like, you wouldn't even know who Kimberly is. You're just like, what? <laughs> I actually like what they did. I think they did this in one of the episodes later on in the season. Oh, they were doing this in Rangers of Two Worlds, as you were explaining in the best and worst, mm. uh, where they talk about events. From Mighty Morphin in the Zeo Quest to explain why Billy is having a rapid aging process all of a sudden. And they do this yeah. like split screen show a clip show, but also show the character talking and describing that. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if I would want Tommy to like do that necessarily, talk about his relationship, right? Like that. But I think him walking down the beach where he does a split screen of like moments with Kimberly or something like that. Sure, but like full screening, you kissing up on Kimberly for two, two whole minutes, interspersed with like scenes of you walking down the beach. I don't know, man. Well, a little out there. Yeah, it's a little too much. Ways. It's a little too um, much. 
I think also like just take that boys to men music video scene, cut it in half, keep the best half of it. Put it as and a then, single. Put it up on MTV and, Music Video Awards. Yes, one hundred percent. And then also like cut to the other characters nominated for a Grammy and have like have Billy explain to everyone else just like what it was like back then or something. You know what I mean? Like you know to all the people who didn't really like see a lot of it. These other characters. Especially, like, you could have a scene with, like, Billy and Tanya, maybe, right? Because she really, literally did not know Kimberly. Tanya is like, hey, it seems like Kimberly was really important to Tommy and to all of you. And Billy could be like, yeah, you know, the, the, the times that she was a Power Ranger were really important. And, and then, like, they could start reminiscing over it in something. And, like, you could intersperse that with a little bit of Tommy being sad at the beach and have these, like, other characters, like, talk about like what once was or something i don't know but like you really they're, only they're... <laughs> need the scene of the pink ranger using the green ranger's dragon dagger in the bow and shooting it that's really all the only <laughs> scene you need to show right that's that's like yes. all the context you need yes it's it was that kind of relationship <laughs> a, a relationship should be 50 50 you bring a dragon dagger and <laughs> I'll bring, they bring my bow. A, they, they bring a bow. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next one is the power of gold. Again, favorite episode of mine. Back to back on the pogs. Power of gold is the introduction. I think like coming into this, this was the first episode where it kind of wasn't so emotional. Or it was like, this is Power Rangers where it's it's banging. The Sentai footage starts with like explosions and intrigue as the Power Rangers are carrying out a mission. You know, you got the you got Billy saying like, "Ah oh, man, you know, you guys can't keep up with King Mondo. You need a sixth ranger. A some mysterious ranger pops up on the scene. It's the Gold Ranger. He has this fucking Thor's hammer, but it's way cooler. Fucking splits yeah. into trident of sorts, and it shoots beams." Has a fucking yeah, pyramid zord, a fucking, fucking pyramid zord, a fucking pyramid, space pyramid. They also, went there, pyramid zord. The power of gold, I think, is the first. Maybe I'm wrong, actually, but I th is one of the first episodes to prominently feature something that, like, they start doing a lot more this season. Honestly. In, in, in a very good way which is like starting episodes in the action there's a lot less this season at least of the episodes we watched i, I do want to talk a little bit about the filler guide and the nature of it a little bit before we go but we'll get into that later uh, of the episodes that we watched a lot of the episodes in this season started in the action more instead of just like Previously, a lot of episodes of the Power Rangers had kind of just started like, oh, the Power Rangers are hanging out at the juice bar and they are grading or looking at the grades do, do, for their do, do, most do, recent do. math test. Yeah, just just vibing. Ernie's, yeah. you know, got some new sandwich or whatever. And then Zordon calls. Zordon's like, Rangers, Rita and Zed stole a bicycle. And the Power Rangers like, ah, shit, we got to get on that. Um, and like that's how it starts. But like, um, the power of gold is one of the first episodes I remember prominently starting like in the action. And this becomes like a theme where this happens more and more because like 
I believe the next episode that we watch. Not gonna yeah, lie, Rock-a-bye. I love this episode. I think the more yeah. you're talking about it, I, I I find less and less wrong with it. I don't think there's a bad moment in you're this right, episode. You're right, honestly. You're right. It's actually really good. The more I think about it, especially it's really like good. in the. I think the only knock I have against it is Billy seems overly petty, especially in the grand context of Zeo, since he isn't the Gold Ranger. He's like, yeah, I know. It fucking sucks that I don't have a power. He seems more like that. And more like, you guys normally had six rangers. That sucks. Instead, he's like, yeah, that does suck. That's my only knock against the episode. But honestly, like, everything about it is so fucking pog. And I think, like, if you only watched up to this episode and you were closeted and you didn't know what was going on with the gold ranger or whatever, and you were like, that's fucking, that's probably Billy. Holy shit. Ah, and they they throw in that little itty bitty like CGI in there where he they yeah. do like the fucking Dragon Ball Z like scribbles on the screen because you're going so fast or whatever, representing yeah. representing how fast you're going and shit as you're whooping ass and you got the fucking pyramid sword, Pog. I agree, I agree, and I will say this though, I really like the theory, and we're the Sentai Truther Club. We create conspiracy theories about the Power Rangers. That's what we do. I really like the theory that what Billy was doing was working on the Turbo Zords. And to me, that eliminates some of that pettiness that you're talking about. Because again, it's like, instead of it being like, oh, Jesus, sure sucks that I don't have a power. It's kind of like, oh, Jesus, sure sucks that I don't have these Turbo Zords done yet, guys, but I can't tell you about them because me and Alpha 5 are keeping that a secret. You know, like, I don't know. I like that thought. I, I, I'm going to be fully invested in that conspiracy now. <laughs> Lean fully into it. What did Billy bring back from Aquatar? <laughs> <laughs> knowledge. I'm sure. Knowledge on how to create Zords, I would imagine. When they originally meet the Akushin Rangers, they also got their shit from Ninjor. So it, it seems like it would make sense that, like, both the... Earth Rangers and the Equitians would be working together to some extent to like start developing Zords without the help of like an external figure such as Ninjor, right? Yeah. Also, like the Equitians have that big brain bussy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So I, I, I yeah. I just want to. Sit- get back to again though i love that this starts in the action and then that becomes kind of a trend where a lot of the best episodes from here start in the action um with like something going on i will say this is one of those like you can't be too high yeah yeah there's a lot going on i mean it's like if you're if you're really high like it's like oh 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 my god what you know but it's less yeah yeah, but it's it's less like oh my god wow they they did it oh you know it's more like uh, uh, pyramid what 3d hyperspace byzantine characters everywhere you know yeah and then we cut it to the worst episode of the season which we mutually agreed upon a small problem honey i shrunk the kids tarantula enemy boring uh, the most formulaic episode this season loser. and i think ultimately it was there because it had big chungus which is the the pyramid zord battle mode 
that consumes yeah. the first set of Zords and this red Zeo Ranger battle Zord as well into it to power it. Big Chungus, big fan. Love it. <laughs> I would not buy a toy of it. I'd buy it as a pyramid, and if it turned into Big Chungus, cool. I'd meme it up with it. But I think just having a pyramid in general that can do that is better than it actually doing that. <laughs> Still really cool. But yeah, just a bad episode. Probably the most formulaic one. Honey, I shrunk the X. In this case, it's Honey, I shrunk the Rangers, which they already did in the filler stuff that we cut out in the previous parts of the filler guide. Then we get it to Rockabye Power Rangers. This is another one where it starts in the action. It's it basically like the whole episode kind of revolves around this plot of like King Mondo just throwing constant attacks at the Power Rangers to just try to like wear them out and like physically wear them out and demoralize them basically is like the general vibe. But honestly, I I really like this episode specifically for like King Mondo pulling a really good plot here against them and like we've seen king mondo like be clever a few times in like these ways that are like he's like a little more ruthless and tactical than previous villains and i think it really shown in this episode to some extent one of the main problems with this episode is like bulk and skull shit is stupid yeah bulk and skull <laughs> shit is stupid i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think king Mondo's the worst thing this season I do think that I lean more towards being slightly negative about King Mondo just because I feel like every time he talks, like every time they have him on screen, it's an exposition dump. My eyes definitely glaze over most of the time when King Mondo's on screen because most of the time when he's talking on the ship, it's him talking for like five minutes explaining his entire plan. I think the issue with King Mondo in general is that he's a compelling villain, but not a compelling character. Whereas, like, one thing you could say about Rita and Zed is they were compelling characters. Yes. Like, you became somewhat invested in Rita in particular, but even Zed to an extent. You became kind of invested in him and who he was and what he was about. I never really felt that same investment with King Mondo. I never really gave a shit about him. I would say the kids were more interesting from like a perspective of actually having some characterization and like their whole plot ongoing plots were pretty interesting i thought but yeah king mondo himself like i say he's he's a pretty competent villain and a decently well-realized villain but he doesn't really have any character he just walks on screen and goes ha ha i'm evil yeah and then explains how evil he is for five minutes I distinctly remember Rocky's dialogue in this episode being really good. Mm -hmm. I like Rocky this season, and I think that he's gotten more voice lines. He's kind of like in the field, not in the Zord, like in the behind the scenes stuff in the communication center, because that's where, you know, Billy has the reins. Like he's the one that's com in command there. But I feel like he plays a good second in command on the field. Yeah. Because you'll have moments where Rocky will split up from the main team. And there's a couple of times, actually, where the Rangers get split up to, to cover more area. Rocky will lead that second team. He'll, he'll actually be pretty tactful when he's not emotionally driven. 
And he's also, he's teaching martial arts this season. He's like kind of following in the footsteps of a lot of other Rangers in that way. But it's honestly like, it's a, at the very least, it's an improvement, you know? So it's like, it works because like, it, it helps to like build up the idea that like Rocky is developing his leadership and that like, you kind of get the sense from Rocky that he knows that he dropped the ball and let Tommy run things when he was supposed to be the Red Ranger. He knows that now, like, you know, Tommy's once again in charge of things, but at least now that's clear. And Rocky is also clear about who he is and what he's trying to do and how he wants to, like, improve himself. I don't know. It, it feels like an improvement. And that definitely shines in this episode. I think there exists a universe where in season two, Die Ranger happened, where we got the complete Die Ranger set. Where yeah. everybody got the updated costumes and suits and stuff. I just want to say, by the way, we will definitely be watching that on Sentai Truth or Club. <laughs> we will definitely be reviewing that. But yeah, I I think there exists a universe where the in the Die Ranger set, Rocky is the Blue Ranger in Die Ranger, and Tommy becomes the Red Ranger in Die Ranger. And yeah. I think that this color correction with Tommy being the Red Ranger and Rocky being the Blue, with the added Gold Ranger as being the foil to the red, I like it. I like that dynamic a lot this season because I feel yeah. like all bases are covered with everybody. And you start to see it more in Rockabye Rangers. I also felt like this season, the team dynamic felt, it felt like they were really trying to like play with that more as just a concept. Whereas like seasons one through three, every time the Rangers got replaced, it felt pretty blatantly like we're replacing um, a Power Ranger with a character that's similar. And who is going to fill a similar role. And, you know, whoever is the, you know, Yellow Ranger is going to be like this. And whoever's the Red Ranger is going to be like this or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. This season, it felt like they were trying to break out of that in some interesting ways. And I think Rocky benefited from that a lot. I think Tommy benefited from it as well. And I, don't, I think all the characters benefited from it to some extent. I don't know. It just felt different in a good way. And it also, it, it really helped to emphasize that feeling this is something I touched on in the last episode that we recorded as well. That feeling of like the shifting of importance that like, it's not about one person being like the ultimate savior. It's about all of us working together. Each of us like coming through in the moment when our particular skills are needed or whatever, you know? Yeah. It more or less like Tommy becomes less of a, like I'm the leader. I'm the commander. I feel like his leadership role is definitely someone as like, you report to him, but he more or less is just a part of a network. Yeah, it almost feels more, like, democratic in a sense. Yeah, like, like a chain not, of communication, more or less. Yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. It's a really interesting. It's a different dynamic, for sure. Let's see. Moving on. We got Do I Know You. What happened in that episode? <laughs> so, in this, this episode is mostly about trying to figure out the Gold Ranger's identity and who it is. Because oh, yeah, he's been popping up and helping the Rangers and they don't have any knowledge of who he is or what he's about or anything. And so they track the Pyramid Zord energy. And this episode has just, I don't know, like it's it's good. It's messy. It's just super messy because the way they did this plot line is that the Pyramid Zord lands on Earth, but it has a cloaking device. So it turns invisible, and so the rangers are out to go find it, and also 
the cogs are sent for King Mondo to go find it. We see them kind of converge on this one location, and then a fight happens because the cogs catch the rangers, and it's the most awkward interaction because the <laughs> rangers don't even really hide, right? It's just, I think it's just Tommy standing out by a bush reporting that the cogs are there and that they see something weird around them that they can't quite make out. And then they're like, oh, yeah, the cogs are turning around and walking this direction. Oh, yeah, it looks like they're coming towards us. Oh, they noticed us. Oh, now we have to transform. <laughs> That's like a whole yeah. like two minute it's, segment. Yeah, really awkward. Unnecessary. Yeah, the monster in the monster <laughs> of the week isn't that bad. Like, it's pretty good because it's it's a monster especially designed to try and and beat the cold ranger, the gold ranger in terms of power level. Right. So like that stuff's pretty good, but you get treated to like a bad bulk and skull subplot of them really trying bad. to locate a cat. A dog, and it turns out it's just in her house the whole time. It's yeah, like it's, it's really stupid. It's just not good. The whole private detective subplot is is not good at all. The end of the season, because I kind of don't want to talk about Bulk and Skull ever again for the rest of the season, and I'm just going to leave it off as, like, at the end of this, they decide to try, and they take up a new job to be a private investigator somewhere else, but that ultimately goes nowhere, too, because they yeah. all end up back in the public sector again, and they find this issue where they're like, oh, if we don't pick up cases soon, we're going to have to go back to the public sector. And it's like, if you didn't have a game plan for becoming <laughs> detectives in the first place with an actual business model, then why did you pursue being a detective? You yeah, know? it's stupid. And, and it, okay, it's just too far divorced from everything else that's going on, too. It's like, this is my biggest issue, I think. Because, like, okay, so, like, when they were in, like, season one, it was, like, we saw them at school a lot, and Bulk and Skull are, like, the dorks at their school it sort of makes sense to see some of their antics as these like sort of like people on the periphery of like their friend group or whatever, you know? And like, it's like, it doesn't feel like super weird. And then in season two, it actually becomes even more coherent because again, like they actually are contributing to the mainline plot semi-regularly. But then it starts to like go back away from being good in season three and, and by se now in Zio, which is really just season four or whatever you want to say about it. It's just so far divorced from everything else that's going on. Like who cares? This doesn't relate to anything. The power Rangers aren't even going to know about this. You know what I mean? Like this doesn't even relate to their lives. Yeah. Like in, even in like, like the smallest or tangentialist or like, I don't know, whatever kind of ways it's like that there, this doesn't even like matter to them it's literally just on screen as an entire b plot and it's like okay we don't ca actually care about bulk and skull enough to just like follow them on their adventures especially if their adventures are going to be this shitty i agree i do not understand why they did that to bulk and skull this season because the the best parts about bulk and skull were the fact that it would relate to the power ranger storyline in some way and in this case yes. it never does because not at all. Private detectives aren't being called into emergencies that the Power Rangers are being called into. You know what I'm saying? If there's a giant no. kaiju fight happening, police officers are going to be involved. Private detectives aren't. 
And they're not tying it together. Like, the thing is, like, with this missing dog plot, what if the dog was in the harm's way in the kaiju fight at the end of the episode? You know what I mean? Then it's like, okay, Bulk and Skull are, like, uniting with the main plot or something like that. But it's, like, something like what I'm describing just basically never materializes this season. There's not really a moment where it's, like, Bulk and Skull's detective plot suddenly runs headlong into the science fantasy world of the power rangers and has to contend with that which would which would make it somewhat interesting probably but no yeah and then we skip along to revelations of gold which is a two-parter technically because a golden homecoming is part two revelations of gold is basically explaining that billy isn't the gold ranger fuck you it's actually this guy from a different planet who splits into three and when he does split into three, he's kind of like Shazam. It's like seven. <laughs> it's like seven different people in one, right? Seven different gods in one of like certain attributes and stuff. That's yeah. exactly it, except it's split into three. And because he's going to split into three, he has to give away the gold power. He attempts to give the gold power to Billy. Billy's like, hell yeah, I'd love to be the sixth ranger. And you're like, oh, okay, they can make up for it. They can make up for Billy not being the Gold Ranger this whole time by giving him the Gold Ranger power now. I'm okay with that. That's cool. Do it. And then Billy comes back from this procedure and is like, hey, guys, so I wasn't able to be the Gold Ranger because rampant homophobia behind the scenes and they want me to get fucking blasted. All right? Cool. Thanks. Fuck you. Fuck you. He, he comes out and he's like, it turns out that the gold ranger power can't be given to you if you're gay yes actually like, <laughs> he's like yeah so when i revealed to everyone that i was gay when we were filming at the end of season three and it became a huge issue behind the scenes guess what i took in dark energy around that time because that was when the command center blew up and so i took in the dark energy from the command center blowing up and that's preventing me from me getting the golden power and it's like these people were like i'm obviously together. i'm obviously like kidding in terms of like when he revealed that he was gay or whatever but still like the point but, still stands that they completely fucked this character yeah and it's like they, they they were working together like 60 hours a week for like years like you would think that they would just treat him a little better i don't know anyway but revelations of gold while it is kind of a letdown a golden homecoming is a masterpiece. So at least there's that. And while I still would have liked it to have been Billy, Jason returning is a pretty good consolation prize. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is a really good consolation prize. <laughs> I shouldn't even call it that because he really comes back with a vengeance. He's obviously improved his acting. We commented on this before, but I'm just going to comment it on briefly again. He's obviously improved his acting, obviously been working on it. He also just seems really pleased to be back. Like I said, in the best and worst, when he uh, reveals that he's going to be the Gold Ranger, he is beaming with this smile that you can just tell is genuine. Like, I'm actually just also be glad to be working on this show again. He like, ends I'm glad the to... episode with a smile. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's, you could tell there's so much love. There's so much love there. It's unfortunate that Billy didn't get that same level of love, but hey, at least, at least something. I don't know. It was worth it in some ways to have Jason come back. Not 
to have Billy get treated that way. It wasn't worth that. But I'm saying like it was worth all the troubles of this Gold Ranger nonsense in general as a plot line. It was worth that. And this tray of Triforia bullshit. That was worth sitting through to have Jason come back and be the Gold Ranger for a while. Yes, like I agree. I like I like Jason a lot as the Gold Ranger. I think his acting in this one was amazing. I think the fighting in this was amazing. I just, like I said, the, the, the whole Billy situation got me fucked up, man. Also, like, it was kind of cheesy how they hid who it was in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, okay, let's put, let's put him in shades, a do-rag, and really baggy clothing. And he looks like a fucking narc. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird look. I will say, though, something, a detail I did like was that it was Tommy that went off to get him. I thought that was really appropriate, like, with, like, just the arc of those two characters and the relationship that they had developed and the bond of friendship and all of that, you know? Like, it just felt really appropriate for Tommy to be, like, initially when Tommy's like, I know just the person, I'm going to go get this person, you're kind of wondering, who might Tommy be going off to get? And when he comes back with Jason, you're just like, ah, that makes perfect sense. Like, that, that is a, a perfect storytelling beat for where these two characters are at. And it's very satisfying in that regard, I must say. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, I know I've commented on this a, a, a few times already. but It's just like me. Yajirobe cutting <laughs> Vegeta's tail. It was like yeah. one of those moments of subversion. It's like, holy yeah. shit, they really subverted my expectations in a good way. In just the right way. Um, and again, this is like, this is bringing together so many seasons of these two characters going back and forth about leadership and courage and, you know, guilt and strength and, you know, learning to respect each other. And uh, I know I've commented on this many times, like I said, but I just love that Jason gets to come back and be the ultra powered savior ranger this season and reverse that script that's just such a good this is such a good way to kind of bring to a close like the jason tommy like leadership struggle story arc that like really just culminates in like the lesson of like they're i'm just both, gonna say it they're both leaders i'm just gonna say it jason is a better sixth ranger than tommy and tommy is a better red ranger than jason yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent Tommy's got that, like, just ability to just, like, push through and, like, keep things going in the moment. But Jason really does well wielding, like, the, the hefty power of being the Sixth Ranger. Whereas Tommy was more almost corrupted by it or, like, twisted by it in a way. In a way that, like, being the Red Ranger, like, gave him his, his humility back. Jason doesn't have that problem. He's not corrupted by the massive power of being the Gold Ranger. He has like the clear vision of how to use that power. Yeah, he's very appreciative of the power. Yeah. And it comes off really nicely. And this is one this is a, a like one of the shining examples this season, but ultimately, I got to say every episode that he's in that we've watched, his performance has always been on point. He has so never good. missed. He has never missed as the Gold Ranger. This episode ultra features also features the first appearance of the new Zeo Zords that it seems like they're doing in every season now where they're just switching up the Zords to try and keep viewer interest. I don't like them. 
the red Zeo suit's very inspired. I like it. Uh, the blue Zeo suit's also pretty good. But the rest of them suck ass. And I, I think the, the green toys. one actually deserves a pass, personally. Green one's okay, but like pink the and toys... yellow are so bad that it's just like, oof. Yeah, I, I looked at pictures of the toys of these Zords. They look fucking terrible. Terrible. Would not want at all. I want the Red Ranger one, but yeah. <laughs> I want the Red Ranger and the Blue Ranger one. I'm buying it, um, but yeah. Yeah, we already kind of went into this in the best and worst. I thought the new the new zords i thought that there was definitely the fight scenes with the new zeo zords tended to be like some of them tended to be pretty good the combination was also really good yes the battle mode the 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 megazord version of it great i think when they all come together the way the zords form up together in one scene because normally it's all like oh we have to individually shoot them like shoot the scenes where you see the Zords, like, creating into a shape that then transforms into the Zord itself. No, 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 no. In this one, they get all five of them fly up into the fucking air and morph into into separate pieces of the Zord and then combine, like, fall into each other. And it's really cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's a decent Megazord, too. It's de- it's not the best or anything, but it's, a, it's fine. It's okay. I don't think I would buy it. I don't think I would buy the completed version of the Zord. I would buy the Red Star Megazord, though. I see. If, if it was me, I'd be considering maybe getting the, the Megazord before I'd get any of the individuals, probably. Picture this. Red Star Megazord. Soviet Union flag in the background. Oh. Put I like the anthem, where this is going. Put the anthem on. Come on. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> we've uh, got to do that we've got to do that we have to yeah for twitter next up we've got mondo's last stand uh important developments for rocky is rocky gets jealous of jason yeah well because i mean th- up till now it's kind of been like tommy and rocky kind of like being like the tip of the spear together and now it's like tommy's like oh i brought my actual best friend like it's like it's like that thing where like you move somewhere and like you like make a new friend and they think that like they really are like your bro and they know you but then like your best friend from like 15 years ago comes in from out of town like that's jason showing up and just destroying what tommy and rocky had going like it's just like oh yeah like rocky's cool and all but jason and i know each other from way back so Bokin skull tease rocky about jason and rocky again this is one of those episodes where in normal real life situations you would have mental blocks but i guess like i don't know the way this universe works it's like yeah you do get the morphing grid in this universe but also you have no mental blocks on any actions you take <laughs> so rocky just like vents to everyone in the worst imaginable way possible and in this case king mondo is fed up with taking l's from the rangers and getting no dubs yeah. meanwhile i would like to remind people uh zed has gotten dubs rita has gotten dubs on the rangers before and like mondo 
He he's going. He's batting zero. He's batting a goose egg. It, he's really doing badly overall. Like he's come up with these consistently good plots, but then like just failed to execute for so many reasons. And uh, it's just kind of a disaster overall. And like this parallels in season one when uh, Rita brings her uh, fortress down to earth temporarily or something like that in a way where it's the villain kind of like lashing out and like trying to like really like exert their power and like put an end to this. But it's like it kind of feels even more like pathetic and like distraught in a way because King Mondo just feels like a loser at this point. <laughs> Right, and King Mondo is searching for this, like, legendary sword that he ends up getting. So King Mondo uh, gets the Sword of Damocles and decides to gigantify himself. But this is only, he decides to gigantify himself and start to wreak havoc because Rocky gets so jealous of Jason that when they go on a spy mission to see what King Mondo's up to, Rocky finds King Mondo alone. And so King Mondo gigantifies himself and Rocky's like, oh, well, instead of calling upon the rest of my friends to come help me, I'm just going to try and do it myself so that way I can impress everybody so they'll want to hang out with me instead of Jason. <laughs> and so Rocky then goes into his new Zeozor that he recently got. Like, literally, the episode prior yeah. to this, they just got the new Zords. He Gets into his Zord, takes on King Mondo 1v1, and gets destroyed in, like, yeah. less than a minute. I'm talking, like, the Zord, like, fucking gets dismembered and shit, and he has to make a tactical retreat. And then King Mondo gets high off, gets a nice high off of this, and then starts wrecking Rampage into Angel Grove. And Rocky's, like, shitting himself because he's telling his, his partners in crime, hey... By the way, the reason why the city is getting wrecked right now is because I decided to make my presence known and take King Mondo on 1v1. <laughs> and, Jason, and Tommy's trying to hold in his anger, and he's just like, all right, man, it's okay, this happens, and then they all have to come together with a game plan yeah, to try and take him on. And so they form up into the Zeozord. The Zeozord gets this, like, flaming sword upgrade, but it's much cooler than the other sword fights that the Zords are known for. Like, when they want to get lazy with the fighting scenes, they do that whole Omaiwa Shinderu type shit, where it's just Which like a single slash. they do a couple times this season. They do do a couple times, but there is like an appropriate animation. It's not just like a swipe across the screen or something like that. It's a that. little better. It's a little like better. Like, the sword charges up. You get the light coming from the, so from the sky. And then it slices down and the laser cuts through them and shit. And you get an explosion. I'll take that versus like, oh, I do a horizontal like fly away <laughs> slash across the screen. And then all of a sudden the enemy falls back and explosions happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was no season two, man. What a trip. What a trip. And then like, not going to lie, Jason kind of, kind of puts Rocky's face into some shit makes him smell his own shit for a second at the end Jason ends the episode telling Rocky he's like dude I don't know what was going on in your head man I'm on your side like why would I ever work against you and Rocky's yeah. like yeah man I don't know what I was thinking and I'm like and, yeah and Rocky eat shit brother there's you know it's good acting for that 
actor it's like good development for that character and also like it really makes sense for jason to be teaching this lesson you know what an adult response yeah so jason is like he's presumably like maybe graduated from high school like he is like in the same way that tommy's like a little bit more adult than a lot of the rest of them like jason is that now too and he's bringing that vibe here and also he he is someone that learned a lot of hard lessons by being arrogant so i think for him to step in and say dude don't 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 go down that path felt really appropriate and like it was just i don't know i liked it as a moment i did too i thought it was really good really what cuts into that episode is again just the b plots man they're not good (laughs) yeah the b plots are just not good and unfortunately it takes up like a good at least a quarter of every episode. This, speaking of not good, this next episode was like in the running for worst for me from this season. Where in the world is Zeo Ranger 5? An episode that revolves around Tommy being missing. That's it. That's the problem. Tommy is missing. Tommy's missing. No one knows what to do. We get introduced to this new character called Gaskin. Yeah. I like him. He's okay. I think this he's isn't... the best one out of the villains, out of the new villains. I think he's the best one. Yeah, I mean, that's, you're talking about, yeah, yeah. In comparison um, to King Mondo, the queen, and the son, the other son, I think, yeah. and the I would almost say probably well, the butler, too. I think Gaskin, well, for as short of an appearance as he had this season, I thought he was amazing. Well, Prince Gaskin and Prince Sprocket's dynamic, too, also adds a lot, as I mentioned earlier. Like, because, like, Prince Gasket is the disfavored son like he's been like sort of disinherited or something to some extent maybe he's also um, has pimples uh he does whereas king Spro- or prince sprocket is he's the favored son he is the one currently like like king mondo favors him to inherit the throne you know and become the next machine king so yeah I, prince gasket's arrival is definitely worth something and visually, it's a good episode. The problem is it's just, it's a little incoherent. Nothing happens, really. Nothing happens. And, like, the whole thing of it just revolving around, like, basically just, like, where is Tommy? It's just, like, a dull plot. And we've had, like, missing ranger plots many times before. This is not interesting. Zeophyte was fine. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's, this episode was completely outclassed and outshadowed by King for a Day, which was the two-parter. Yes. This was leading up the fight between Zeo Ranger Red and the Gold Ranger, where Zeo Ranger Red is brainwashed by Gaskin, thinking that he's the king of the Machine Empire. And Tommy has some moments where he doesn't believe Gaskin at times, and then he doesn't believe Jason at times either. Yeah. And it's interesting to see because I think it's not, I don't think it's the fact that. Tommy doesn't believe Jason. I think it's the fact of like, if he truly, if there's like a 5% chance that you're the king of the machine empire, you're going to shoot your shot. Yeah. And yeah, I thought the, the uncertainty was really cool. Actually, like Tommy doesn't seem to know what to trust here a lot, you know? Yeah. Cause I I mean, if he is wrong, like he could be losing control of an entire population of living beings that he could positively influence right sure 
because he 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 mentions that right because he talks about how he wants to help people even when he's brainwashed yeah he's like well if i'm king maybe i can make the world better for everybody and it's like yeah why would i unseat myself potentially because of potential trickery it's great it's kind of like it's like that insidious type of evil that you don't know that you're committing is like a sort of suggestion of like the themes here. Uh, it's kind of a deep theme and the whole thing kind of plays out in like a thrillerish way. I think that, what I detracts from really this like. episode is it was lib shit. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me, give me Jason and Tommy fighting. Give me, give yeah. me Jason and Tommy fighting. Don't give me this like, no, don't fight. Ah, take off my, I'm going to take off my helmet to hopefully trigger your memories. It's me, cat. Oh, yeah, I'm not the Gold Ranger. I'm Jason, see? Look, you remember me, don't you? Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. Fight. Give me an anime-ass fight. fight. And fight. then do this shit. Shatter Jason's helmet, and then Jason has to take it off. And then it's revealed that it's Jason. And Tommy's like, what have I done? I've hit a friend. You know, give me that shit. Don't give me this, like, liberal, we're gonna fucking, we're gonna fucking talk our way out of this. That was dumb. the dumb shit. Like, that ruined it for me. Because you built up all of this hype. All of this hype for it to just not happen. It also goes on too long. Yeah, the talking the talking definitely goes on too long. But like, I, I, like I said, I think Gaskin's dialogue is really good. No, yeah, That's what like kind of his... saves the two-parter. I like his scheming for the throne in general. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just too long. Like... It shouldn't have really been a two-parter, it didn't feel like. Or if it was going to be a two-parter, then they should have included a little more, like, substantive storyline. Because, like, it really felt like it was just unnecessarily long. And that, like, um, as usual, a lot of the kind of B-plots and stuff were really unnecessary. Bulk and Skull suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In another song and dance, we see some developments more so with the family, the King Mondo family. Because King Mondo is dead, but they say that he will be back. They don't say that he will be resurrected or how he's going to be resurrected. The mom just says, he'll be back. Don't worry about it. It's happened before. And Sprocket's like, it's happened before. And they kind of just leave it at that. And in this one, Sprocket reveals that uh, Gaskin's been vying for the throne. Yeah. It produces some very interesting dynamics because Gaskin's also with this woman that's not really acknowledged, but she's also a robot as well. And it's kind of Gaskin's, you could call this episode Gaskin's last stand. As Gaskin uh, takes control of the, the the friendly Zords or whatever, it makes them like do dances and shit like that. And they have to like come up with unique power-ups and ways to fight off Gaskin. I thought it was a very funny episode. It was pretty good. Featured some weird moves that we haven't seen before, like the rolling tire. Mm. Just, it's it's goofy. Uh, yeah. It has some pretty pog moments, but it might be a little too goofy for my taste. A little much. A little much. For the record, I think maybe there's an episode that we missed that explains this. The, the um, whole tire power-up? No, the... Archerina, because um, that's uh, Gasket's wife. Yes. Is uh, Archerina. 
this is something I, I only discovered by reading the wiki. And I don't know if I just missed this in a scene or like I say, I think maybe it's it sounds like maybe this is maybe like revealed in an episode we didn't watch called The Jokes on Blue from what I'm reading. But um, Archerina is the daughter of King Mondo's rival. So it's like a Romeo Juliet thing. And that's why Gasket is disfavored. Got it. Okay. We might have to put that in there. Let's put it up for deliberation. Mark that episode for deliberation. Zeo filler guide is under construction because we've got a couple of like deliberations that we have to make on a couple of episodes that we didn't mention that has been excluded from the filler guide. Uh, you know, specifically that arrowhead. So we'll 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 go over it eventually. That's definitely gonna be some Patreon stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if, if Archerina plays into the plot and the family dynamics significantly enough to include it into the filler guide, you know? Yeah. But I think Gotta overall... be careful with the filler guide because some of the episodes that we didn't watch for Zio are absolute tr- garbage. Like, hot fucking trash. Oh, yeah. The episode right after Graduation Blues where Rocky's a himbo and doing the Lynn Miranda fucking biting the lip thing as he, like, kind of sort of is into this girl, kind of sort of not... And Adam's trying to convince him to go for it. And he's like, I don't think she's into me. And Adam's all like, dude, just go for it, bro. Just go for it. I'm telling you. And they're supposed to be working on a project together. And he's using that as leverage to try and talk to her. Like all this other shit. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot, dude. Also, there's a season to remember. An episode that's not in the filler guide, which is like a Christmassy episode and like it's trying to be like culturally sensitive but it's like it it's like it fails on a lot of fronts on that regard and then it's also just a dumb bad horrible episode the bulk and skull plots are bad i watched a little bit of it just because i was curious because i was seeing some people saying on uh, one of the power rangers subreddits that that was like the worst episode of zeo and i was like well i'm gonna have to check that out um, and it's, it's very bad. God. Yeah. So the stuff that like the filler guy is obviously a little light for Zio. And I think that's probably for the best, but it seems like a few things did get cut a little excessively. Some of my um, favorite episodes this season were stuff that we had to add in. Yeah. You know, kind of, yeah. Like uh, Mr. Billy's up. wild ride and there's no business like slow business part one. Oh dude, I would enjoy this series this season completely way less if those uh, episodes weren't in i cannot believe... i would probably say a whole point a whole point would be docked off I-, I cannot believe that mr billy's wild ride was even considered potentially non-canon nor there's no business like snow business um billy coming back from aquatar that's not an important detail that we need to like figure out again i know i rant about this all the time but like we have to see every time big chungus reveals it's even bigger chungus or form you know like those have to be in the filler guide but billy returning from aquatar not important fucking stupid and then also same for like tommy and kim breaking up not important get your head straight that is extremely important by this point i am not sitting here watching Tommy for fucking four seasons of this show 
And then, oh, I just don't give a shit what happens with his like actual like character development. Come on. Yeah, I agree. And the the bigger the bigger part about another song and dance is that it kind of sort of gives a breadcrumb of a cookie of like power levels when you gigantify yourself Mm -hmm. in comparison to having a zord or something like that because archerina and gasket they both get incredibly powerful because they were already like keeping up with the rangers already and then when they gigantified themselves the rangers had a hard time dealing with them yeah so it's kind of revealing the power levels of the King Mondo's uh, family because not only is King Mondo super powerful, but also Gasket and Archerina. I yeah. liked it. It was a good Zord fight. It was a it was a pretty good fight between the Rangers and them. Jason was on point. Uh, it was a great episode. It was a solid eight out of ten. I don't think it did something like extremely well, but it did everything great. Rangers of two worlds. We've already talked about a fair bit. Um, so we won't rehash every single detail, but, uh, especially cause this episode is running long, but, um, <laughs> surprising. I thought it was going to be on the shorter side, but actually there's so much to say. There really it's is. Just an origi- very it's just a really emotional season, man. Yeah. Really fascinating and emotional season. Ranges of two worlds on the subject of emotional, very emotional episodes. So- um, ranges of two worlds revolves around the plot of Billy being supernaturally aged by the process from long ago when he reversed his young status when all of the rangers were kids um apparently something went a bit wrong back then and it has now caught up to him and he's super aging i have to make some comments about this season i apologize it's gonna run a bit longer but like (laughs) When we get into, like, the character reviews and stuff like that, I really have some comments to say here because they could have done this whole entire plot line much different. And uh, Hawaii's Zio and Good as Gold are kind of, like, interesting season enders, I must say. Um, But at this point, at Rangers of Two Worlds, I feel like this is, like, your, your whole thing that you're talking about where every season you go... They should have ended it this way. They should have ended it here. And <laughs> Rangers of Two Worlds is definitely one of those two-parters that feels like that. And I will agree, part two definitely went all out. They had everything, right? Yeah. They had the Equation Rangers. They had the regular Rangers. They had all of these different Zords. They had interesting villains. You know, all of these power-ups, all of these moves that they had to do to defeat the enemies this episode. It was a great two-parter in that sense. Uh, the Billy plotline in a vacuum wasn't that bad. Um, but I think when you take into context in the show and in how much they fucked Billy this season as a character, it's so shitty. Like, I yeah. unders- like if this season yeah. was remade today, Billy would have stayed in Aquatar. Like, if they really were going to do this, they would have made Billy the Gold Ranger and then have like a two-parter episode where he's like aging a bit and he has to stay in the gold ranger outfit to not reveal it until it's too much for him. And then he has to say, listen, I have to give my ranger powers to someone else because I'm aging rapidly. Yeah. And then uh, 
he gives his powers to Jason. And they could have done it like that. And then he leaves to Aquatar, and Sestro's like, hey, I found this this spring's worked with Billy well. He's going to stay here with us. And it could have been seen as, like, he's gay. He stayed with Sestro. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I back think in if the it was 90s, a modern show, they, they should just outright just have them get together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah, they would like, have had this would have been an outright like, relationship and yeah. and Billy would have been with Sestra. But I think if this was in the context of like the 90s show, also it would have been like he's staying here with me. Cause like I remember watching Yu Yu Hakusho, and when yeah. they dubbed Yu Yu Hakusho, one of the antagonists for I believe the third season uh had a demon who was a guy or who was mask presenting and uh took in the spirit detective before Yusuke and admitted to being into being in an intimate relationship or at least alluding to that intimate relationship. And then like the other characters kind of getting like weirded out by it at first, but then just being like, ah, it's whatever. And then like the way that arc ends is that's that evil spirit detective quotes on the evil, by the way, um, dies and, the that demon takes the body in and is asked to be left alone with the body. Yeah. You know, like they they do that sort of allusions to that sort of stuff in the 90s when they cuz yeah. they couldn't outright state it. So they could have did that with Sestro and Billy and then had Jason be the Gold Ranger, you know? So they could have had it both ways. They could have had it multiple different ways that would have been way better than what they did. Yeah. You know? It is disappointing. But I think but, in a vacuum, Rangers of Two Worlds is still like a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of, like, damn near 10 out of 10 two-parter arc. If you get rid of, like, the background context of what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think if they had just, like, made, like, tightened up the edges a little, they probably could have, like, inserted a few things from the ending into these episodes and just ended it here. I agree with you. Um, yeah. It definitely as felt a, that way. Yeah. As it stands, Hawaii Zio and Good as Gold are kind of like a weird, overly long outro, but they're not too bad. Um, Hawaii Zio has an important lesson in it. Bulk and Skull do uh, yes. fucked around and they found out. They fuck around and find out. Yeah. I was actually surprised that that is kind of what ends up happening there. Cause like, yeah, like, uh, Ernie's having a luau in Hawaii Zio because he's just back from Hawaii and he just wants to like celebrate the amazing culture that he was just experiencing in Hawaii and share it with everyone, which is like, you know, like the when people talk about like you're mad about cultural appropriation, do you want people to not share cultures? It's like, no, we want people to do what Ernie is doing. Yeah. Like, so to like Ernie's to like experience doing- a culture. And then come back and say, hey, guys, I had this really wonderful experience with this culture, and I'd like to tell you a little about it. Not in a way like I'm now an expert on a Hawaiian culture, but just like I just want you to like know something about this cool thing that I know about. Yeah. Ernie's luau is cultural appreciation is what you should have, not cultural appropriation. And it, it distinguishes it easily yeah. in this 20-minute episode. And Tanya even comes in. Because Tanya is the first one to let Bulk and Skull know that they ain't shit and they shouldn't be doing shit like that. Because Ernie, they're, hi, they're basically like scrounging yeah. for dollars here, even though, you know, 
bulk is just fake poor, right? He's a trust fund baby, so he knows he can fall back on the parents. But, you know, hey, he has to keep up appearances. So he's asking Ernie for work. And he's like, come on, don't you need a bodyguard for the luau? So they try to, like, emulate, like, Hawaiian warriors. So they put on yeah, face paint. Hawaiian warriors. Yeah, Hawaiian warriors. So they put on face paint to do that. And, and Tanya, have, like, Tanya calls them out on their shit for cultural appropriation and basically says, hey, you shouldn't do that. And so, then Ernie steps in and goes, guys, go take off this offensive clothing and wash off that makeup and don't come back until you look presentable basically yes and it's Ernie like, dismisses them yeah and then um, they actually Ernie do like a king. Luau. yeah Ernie's actually a woke king here if a bit <laughs> if a bit pedophilic uh he does like a luau and in the luau he actually gets hawaiian dancers mm -hmm. so it yeah, was pretty awesome it's an okay representation surprisingly after you think oh god where is this scene going it's like no Ernie steps in and is like, hey, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be, we're not going to be racist like that, guys. Let's get that out of here. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a good lesson. I will say, I thought it was very rude that the Machine Empire crashes the Luau. Like, just attack them after. Everyone is just vibing at the Luau. Tommy barely manages to ask Cat out in this episode. Also, we haven't even touched on that yet. But Tommy just barely, like, spaghetti falling out of his pockets, just sweaty, fucking, like, total incel moment, barely manages to awkwardly ask Cat out to this luau. And then they only get to hang out for, like, 30 seconds before the fucking machines just, like, show up and crash the luau. And I'm seriously, Machine Empire, that is just rude. You know, Rita Repulsa would have looked down at that luau, seen the dancing, and said, Dancing? I'm gonna let that go on. They we'll would do a off. conga line. They would do a conga we'll line. Off. We'll we'll hold off. We'll attack in two hours when the dancing is over. <laughs> yeah. Either that or they would join in with like a conga line. And then the Rangers would go like, oh, that's Rita. What's going on? And Rita would go, hello, Rangers. <laughs> and then fucking gigantify some monsters or cast a spell right then and there. It would have been awesome. Good. At, the season ends with good as gold where Jason's losing his powers. And he has to give it back to Trey of Triforia. So this is officially King Mondo's last stand. His family, the Machine Empire's last stand, essentially, as they make before, their last play for Earth. Before we get fully into that, I want to touch on one more thing about uh, Hawaii Zio. Okay. Because I think this is actually a pretty good episode. Okay. Um, Hawaii Zio features really the best moment of Sprocket and Gasket trying to outplay each other. And oh, yeah? I, really, I really think that, like, that plot of like behind the scenes, like Sprocket kind of trying to like use Gasket as a pawn and also like turn King Mondo even further against Gasket in the process is honestly like that's the best villain plot of this season. Like, yes, because Sprocket really good. Sprocket reveals the information to King Mondo that Gasket is making a play for the throne. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Sprocket in and of himself is also making a play for the throne because he's causing disruption between the family. And Sprocket is also like tricking Gasket into thinking that like he's on Gasket's side and that they're going to like plot against the Rangers together, you know? So it's just like a, there's all this double crossing going on with the villains all of a sudden in these last two episodes and like sort of like weird dynamics with the villains that like really plays out well. Yeah, you're right. This is a this episode is better than I initially thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Hawaii Zio with yeah. a woke king. Little does Sprocket <laughs> know had the entire family combined, they would have like taken on they could have easily defeated the Rangers then and there. That really seems to be like the strong implication of this season. And I actually like that, you know? Like I like that like the villains failed and like that's an aspect of this season. And the Power not, Rangers like, fail yeah. when they're divided as well. Yeah. Constantly, actually. True. True that. True that. Every single Huge time theme. that they've split apart, they've gone into like some major issue that they've had to regroup and to attack it full force. So good as gold wasn't quite as good as Hawaii Zio, in my opinion. And the one thing that we really didn't mention about Hawaii Zio is that Jason is like kind of losing the powers. And he, he's kind of having what happened to him is what kind of like what happened to Trey before. Where Trey was like, if I try to keep these powers, it might like hurt or kill me. And also, they might be lost forever. Jason is suddenly in that same position where like, apparently these gold ranger powers are like kind of hard to control or wield in some fashion. It's um, actually a take on the American healthcare system because he passes out towards the beginning of the episode and they're like, yo, we need to call an ambulance. Yo, we need to call an ambulance. And they're asking... Tommy's like, no, 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 don't call the ambulance. Don't call the ambulance. Let me let me try and get to him. So he, they, like, interact with Jason, and Jason's like, no, 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 man, don't call the ambulance. It's okay. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. I can walk this off. I can walk this off. <laughs> As he's, like, damn near dying from being the Gold Ranger. <laughs> but actually, though, he goes to be hooked up for testing and life support from Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> Alpha's his ticket to universal healthcare, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, Alpha, Alpha, you know, definitely provides health care to all people. Do you think the that the Gold Ranger is some sort of, like, corrupting force? Like, it can't um, be wielded by average people because it corrupts them to the point where they can die? And only with, like, a strong spirit and all this other these other factors could you be able to wield it? And that's why it's I think so, it like, might actually sensitive. be a body thing. Because, like, we've seen that there's, like, a weird relationship between the suits and the body. That, like, morphing into the suit is not as simple as just, like, putting it on. It's like you a know? cursed artifact. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like the, the Gold Ranger suit is just, like, abnormally hard on bodies compared to some of these other suits. Where it's, like, combining with the suit might kind of, like, wear you out in some ways like this really takes it out of you and like trey of triforia as dorky and weird as the character is it is implied that he's very strong when he's like at his full strength like that he's like it's almost like he's like a saiyan you know compared to these humans or something like like he's he's kind of on another power level is like the implication of that character and um you know jason is like wielding a power that would normally only be wielded by someone like that, you know, in, in 
something like Dragon Ball, when like a character that wouldn't normally be capable of those power levels is like attaining those power levels, but at a cost. Yeah, and at the same time too, Zed and Rita are moving in against Mondo, and they have a clash actually, because King yeah. Mondo is trying to make a play with Rita and Zed for help to defeat the Power Rangers, but Rita and Zed know that they don't have a big enough army to take on King Mondo after the dust is settled. So instead, Rita and Zed are willing to let it play out and not help them. King Mondo's not having it, though, and has a clash with them out in the fields where the Rita, Rita and Zed actually, like, bust out the Tangas. Yeah, which is cool. We haven't seen them in a while. And, like, the Tangas fighting the Cogs is actually, like, it's kind of fun and, and from, like, a meta, like, I don't know, just, like, The Tangas have whole... matured. Yeah. Yeah, they've uh, reached a, a new power level because they're now the same power level as the Cogs because they're evenly matched. Well, and it's been implied that, like, Rita and Zed are trying to, like, build their power levels up, you know? Like, that's an implication we've been getting the whole time this season. That's it's right. Not just that because Rita's Rita wand Zed... got a power up. Right, right. Yeah, good memory. And so, yeah, that's, like, that's been, like, a constant theme of this season is that in the background... Rita and Zed are not simply satisfied that King Mondo is in charge now. Like, they are instead, like, how do we get more powerful? How do we get powerful enough to beat King Mondo and then beat the Power Rangers? Like, that seems to be, like, their goal, you know? Yeah, it's very cool. And, um, yeah, so initially, like, King Mondo actually kind of has Jason cornered. And Jason only gets away because of the clash between... King Mondo and Rita and Zed. Um, and King Mondo wants them to work together, like you were saying, but they they refuse. The meanwhile, like the Power Rangers need to like give the uh the Gold Ranger power back to Trey. Um, but the problem is is that they don't know if Trey is ready to receive the power again or not. And when they get in touch with him and he shows up, he reveals that he's not ready to receive the power. And that, like, it could kill him and Jason if they try and they do it wrong, basically. But there's, like, this planetary unification beam <laughs> or whatever. Weird plot device. It actually reminds me of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Yeah, very weird. Very confusing. Because they, like, all group together, um, right? Yeah. And do this, like, hand-holdy thing where they're like, maybe if we wish for it, it can happen. And then, you know, Jason has his, his giant hammer out and he's using that, pl that planetary unification beam to help Trey of Triforia back into the Gold Ranger stuff. Uh, I like it, though, because this is kind of like King Mondo's last stand. It's literally like their last-ditch effort to stop the Rangers and they gigantify fucking everyone. Everyone yeah. gets gigantified in this. The Cogs get gigantified. King Mondo gets gigantified. Rita and Zed are on the sidelines cheering it on. Like, it's crazy. And Trey of Triforia is like, listen, because uh, the Red Ranger is all like, yo, let's, let's bust out the Zords. And Trey is like, no. Sometimes when enemies fight dirty, we have to fight dirty. And so Trey of Triforia fucking gigantifies everyone. And so you see the Rangers, and they're all fucking huge as shit taking them on. And then uh, Jason is just on looking, being a hype man down in the canyon. It's a fun time. I love it. It's, it's a great end. And then yeah. after this, like, 
Jason and Tommy have a conversation with each other, uh, kind of sending that final farewell to Jason. Yeah. And Tommy's like, you know, hey, I know how much it sucks to lose your powers and when you want to be a part of this team, but you know, like we're we're still gonna be your friends. And Jason's like, fuck yeah. Like we're friends forever. And then like uh Jason kind of like you were mentioning earlier how like you can't really have a relationship with like a normal person if you're a Power Ranger. It's like Jason has been sort of off and on through the end of the season, kind of flirting with this girl who I believe is named Erica. It's like he sees her walking along the beach. He's like, you know what? Maybe life isn't so bad. And he kind of like, it seems like he has the realization that like, you know, like I have time to just like have a normal fucking relationship now, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, he just like takes off down to the beach and he's like, hey, girl, and like puts his arm around her and they walk off. But it's like, it's a like kind of cheesy, but at the same time, like, yeah, like, there's that, like I say, that strong implication that he's kind of like, you know what? Actually, I can live my normal life now, and I'm going to go do that. He's, he's actively banging this girl. And, and I'm not even, yes. like, saying it to meme it up. There's one episode, I can't remember which one it is, where this girl, Erica, pops up, and she's all like, where is Jason? We were supposed to meet up. He was going to show me some martial arts moves. And it's, impl- it's implied that it was going to be like a, a one-on-one training session and everything. And yeah. Uh, yeah, the way she says it, the delivery, it's like, uh, you know. <laughs> and even the guys, when he, she asked the guys, they're like, oh, yeah, he, uh, we, we don't know. Uh, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of speaking of fucking rangers banging in uh, at the end of hawaii zio we forgot to mention this there's a really funny scene where everybody except for cat and tommy are like hanging out at the juice bar and they're like where's cat and tommy what are they up to and then cat and tommy come like strolling in fucking glowing you could just tell what they've been up to. <laughs> and, and, and the rest of the Rangers like, oh, where you been? And they're like, oh, we just had a nice, normal date, super quiet, went to a movie. Yep, just a movie. They don't describe the movie at all. And then uh, Tommy goes, yep, nice and boring date. And Kat looks at him and goes, boring? And he's like, not like that. And it's just like, okay, they were definitely banging. Dude, like, <laughs> I forgot. You're right. <laughs> Fuck it. This is a really horny season of the Power Rangers. There's, Yo, Jason a, lot of, there's knew. a lot of implications. Jason knew. He knew. Because as soon as Kat and Tommy started strolling in, Jason gives like a really sly look to Tommy. He's oh, yeah. Like, he like rubs his nose and shit. As they're talking and stuff. <laughs> Funny Jason fucking knew, dude. Oh, man. Uh, on the subject of scenes that are funny, too, one other that I wanted to highlight from the end. I can't remember. This one happens in As Good As Gold, actually. I'm like pretty sure uh, now that I think about it. Because, yeah, it's like the last time we see Gasket. Uh, or is that at the I can't remember if that is at the end of Hawaii Zero or Good As Gold. But the last time we see Gasket, King Mondo shows up and is like, I'm going to kick your ass, basically. <laughs> and, and Prince Gasket is like, I just remember that I have to be somewhere forever. And then, like, leaves. And it's the funny, like, that's the best fucking exit 
Yes, yes, yes. And and they say that he left to another galaxy. <laughs> like I fucking I loved I loved Prince Gasket's fucking departure. What an incredible scene. Yeah. So um, before we right, get into Ranger yeah. rankings and etc., I want to review the supporting cast a little bit because okay. I just want to say where the fuck was Zordon and Alpha? Alpha was a little bit there. Don't get me wrong. And it ties into Billy because after Billy's exit, Alpha goes, I wish Billy was here. Where's yeah. Billy when you need him? And it's fucking frustrating. But, I, okay, like disregarding, like, okay, Alpha, he was fine this season. Okay. He was fine. Not too many moments with Alpha. He didn't really have any big moments this season. Zordon offered no help. No fucking very, help this season. Very whack. And it's like, um, there is shit going on. You are an interdimensional being. Where is your knowledge? I will say the uh, beginning of Turbo, I think, makes sense of this a little bit. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, Zordon seems really checked out um, and just not, not interesting, really. Like, he's, he's always been kind of an interesting, sly, um, mysterious character before now. But this season, he just feels like a very bland, like, he basically feels like the ship's computer from Star Trek or something. Yeah. Um, King Mondo's family, I think King Mondo's probably the worst one, I think, character-wise. Maybe the queen. The queen didn't have too much development time. So I'd probably say the queen is probably, much. yeah, I would probably say the yeah. queen is probably the worst one. Then it's the king. Then Spro I would put Sprocket and then Gasket. I think Gasket's the best one, dude. Gasket's definitely the best. Um, the Sprocket-Gasket dynamic is definitely the saving grace of the villains this season. That really punches up the ending. And, like, I don't know. It's a lot more interesting. And King Mondo, just after a certain point, he feels kind of pathetic. It's kind of like, he feels kind of like Donald Trump right now. Just, yeah. defla just a deflated blowhard. You know? Yeah, he definitely does the sad walk towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the sad uh, walk. Another thing, too, was <laughs> that uh, Zed and Rita, they were awesome. They were yes. awesome this season. Uh, A-plus material from them, honestly. Wish we had a little bit more of them, to be honest. Uh, and then we move on to the Ranger rankings. You're going to be surprised. I think the worst Ranger this season has to be Adam. Interesting. I thought I thought maybe you were gonna go with Adam. I'm actually gonna go Cat. Okay. So I go with Adam because Adam had no moments this season. He had a very aggressive tone look the whole time. Uh kind of felt like an outcast, like he didn't belong, and he came off on screen. I'm not sure what was going on behind the scenes, but yeah, I gotta say Adam was the worst. Cat at least had the character development of the relationship. I think if it wasn't, there's no business like show business or snow business. Cat would be worse. I would probably put her in last place maybe because she was just non-existent completely. But I think there's no business like snow business really upped her game. I admit, I'll be perfectly honest about the fact that I cannot really point to a ultra compelling Adam moment. There is as no. his saving grace. I don't even think one. there's a compelling moment. At the same time, though, 
the thing with Kat is that what is there for her is literally her just filling in as the Pink Ranger. And, like, we talked about, like, the fact that, like, all the other characters kind of broke out of the shell of, like, expectation to some extent. But actually, like, when I said that earlier, I should have said the exception is Kat. Kat is just the new Pink Ranger this season. She's less interesting than she was last season. Um, she, she references Australia sometimes. She's more yeah, human but... this season. I guess, but she also just seems, I don't know. She's Everyone's seems very more human this cardboard-y. season, but I think she is. I think <clears throat> she she's the one that I think is the most maliciously inclined person here. Yeah, I don't know. It's... Because that yeah. whole setting up the date and there's no business like snow business. Dude. Weird. She knew. Weird she shit. knew that it wasn't going to pop off. She played. She played her cards right. She got what she wanted. Yeah. She wanted Tommy, and it was by any means necessary. She wanted it. She didn't care how bloody her hands were going to get to do it. And I respect that. I respect that. She had an intricate, complex plot, and there's no business like Snow Business, and that, that punched above her weight, and that made her above absolutely dumpstering. Uh, but literally, just like right above Adam. I'm not giving her any more props. <laughs> like, that's... Is it, I, for me, it goes Adam Cat. For me, what's like the ultimate, like the fucking razor thin margin that I'm deciding this on personally, like much like your razor thin margin of snow business, just barely making Cat better. For me, it's literally just the acting. I thought Cat, the actress for Cat, seemed a little stiff. She's Stepford Wives, bro. Yeah, just not very dynamic. I thought Adam. Even though that's he didn't makes, bring a lot. But that's what makes there's no business like Snow Business better. Would you consider her as like a Stepford of Wives type of character? <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough call. Honestly, I, I want to just dumpster both of them. Okay. For the most part. I will say the only compelling moment that I could think of for Adam is Adam going, hey, maybe I shouldn't have finished reading this letter out loud. This seems like a private letter that you should probably read when you're by yourself in your room so you can process this alone. And punch a wall if you need to. <laughs> like, that's literally Adam's compelling moment, and that's it. And even that's, like, said with, like, heavy, concerned look, slightly upset of the fact that he asked her to do something. I, I, yeah, I just want to dumpster both of them for the most part. Like, it's just, they're, they're just not good this season, either of them. I would say next above them is Billy. Yes, that's right. Fuck you. I'm including him in the Ranger rankings. <laughs> you know, I, I had that in mind intentionally, and then I forgot. And then I want to thank you because, yes, I would also include Billy. Uh, Billy, for um, as much as of the achievements that he's done this season in the background, and, like, we're kind of, like, being conspiratorial about it, but it's just, like, you kind of are led to believe these things, you know? It's just, yeah. like, a read-between-the-lines moment. But I will say... He just was super petty. Yeah, and and also just like there just wasn't really enough there for the most part with Billy to really justify ranking him higher. Like what was there was like good at moments for sure, but it was just like yeah, just an overall disappointment in terms of like where it ultimately led to, and it just didn't really seem like. Obviously, for reasons that were behind the scenes, all this drama, but like it just really didn't seem like anything resolved for Billy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously, 
the behind the scenes stuff really affected the way it all played out. And yeah. it's it's very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd put Billy there. Um, um, there was that one point in my head I was going, Billy's the worst character, and I'm going to have to say it. But then I remembered, oh yeah, Adam. And then, oh yeah, where the fuck was Kat? Oh, right. Yeah, so I'm going to put Tanya next. Yeah. And the only reason why I'm putting Tanya next is because she didn't have Shine. The scenes that she was in were good, and she did act really well. She just didn't get enough time. Yeah, I will say she didn't get a lot of compelling screen time. I also felt like um, it felt like a slight step down from, like, the character that had developed in Aisha, and, like, they never really, like, fully, like, built Tanya up in the same way. Like, Aisha really got built up as this, like, really strong character. I don't know, just, like, to, like, have Tanya, like, come in as the replacement and really just act like the replacement for Aisha as if, like, she can just do that without really being trained for it or anything. You know what I mean? Like, I would have liked to have seen Tanya have her own kind of, like, grandma type of scene or something, you know? Like that to really, like, elevate her higher. Yeah. I think the next one is then Rocky. Uh, yeah. Props to Rocky, man. You know what? We've fucked up this whole ranking. At the very bottom of the Power Rangers ranking for this season is Trey of Triforia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you want to be ta- if you want to be technical. He is a ranger. I don't know. I think I would still put Adam. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I had, there's way better scenes with uh, Trey of Triforia than Adam. The anyway, good is um, gold scene where he's like, no, 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 no. You don't go high when they go low. You go low as well. Like that. Yeah. Com- ten times more compelling than any Adam scene that we've seen. True. True. That was like a really interesting. It was an unexpected twist for that character. For sure. And he was All super right. eccentric in the scenes where before he revealed the fact that he was Trey of Triforia. I loved it. I loved I loved it. Uh, I. I would almost say Trey of Triforia was better than Cat. I'm saying it. Yep. Trey right, of Triforia. Fine. If we're counting it's... the scenes where, yeah, fine. we thought it was Billy, but it was actually Trey of Triforia, that elevates him like. Yeah. That elevates him like way beyond. I would put him in between Billy and Rocky. I think Rocky, I would say, I got to give props to Rocky. Fucking two seasons of being the fucking worst character of all time to being, like, one of the best in the season. So you know what he's like? He's like that kid, (laughs) right, in freshman year of high school where in the beginning where he just doesn't talk much and you don't really know him or know what to think of him at all. And then, like, like, the conversations you have with him suck so bad. Yeah, they're just fucking awful. You can't pry anything from this guy. And then all of a sudden, a couple of months in, you just find out he's just this weird kid who's just enjoying life. Yeah, that's truly that's truly Rocky's energy. And it's only amped up by the fact that he did really good leading squad B, whereas Adam was playing foil to Tommy on the ground within the core five and failing completely, just like non-existence. Rocky was doing a great job interacting with the women on the team. Loved it. And even though the episode where he got 
jealous of Jason made no fucking sense. It was hilarious to see him getting fucking wrecked and eating shit on screen for a solid 10 minutes. You gotta respect the guy. He you deserves do. that spot. I agree. He deserves I agree. that spot. I agree. Um, all right. Well, there's only there's only a few Rangers left. It's Tommy next. <laughs> yeah, Jason's the best Ranger. Let's just get this out of the way. Yeah, so Tommy uh didn't really get Tommy a lot was... of sh- I, I didn't think he got that much shine this season uh than he normally does. No, but I thought he was better. I thought I thought Tommy's growth this season was good enough he to ate like that land humble pie. Yeah, like this is ultimately like maybe he wasn't as good as he's been at times, but he was still one of the best characters this season because like he eats humble pie, he learns a lot, he becomes a really good red ranger. I don't know. And and like the Kimberly breakup is definitely like a pivotal moment that like I thought was like kind of a highlight of the season somewhat. And like, you know, it's definitely like, that's a huge moment for Tommy's character. Believable. A lot of it revolves. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of humanizing moments. I'm telling you, man, I'm getting like emotional over this stuff. Like I'm like thoroughly invested in these characters. Yeah. So I got to say like, uh, I, I love Tommy this season. Uh, this is my favorite Tommy, which sucks. Because it's on a season also where uh, we have an absolutely goaded Power Ranger. There is no Power Ranger that I have seen on screen ever in my life than Jason as the Gold Ranger. Yeah. Every single time he was on screen, he killed it. Yeah. He fucking killed it. Yeah, I I can't disagree even slightly. I mean, like, Jason really brought it. Like I said, you know, from the moment he comes back, he just seems really, like, happy, high energy. And and then, like I said, the character really brings this sort of, and, uh, you know, this is partially the writing and partially the acting, of course, but, like, definitely, like, the actor really brought it to these, to this role, you know? And, like, it just felt like, you know, like I said, that he really... The, the character of Jason is really like determined to wield this great power responsibly, and like, I don't know, he 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 just seems really like fully realized. It could be like the best comic book run for Spider-Man. Truly, truly, like one of the best characters I've ever seen portrayed on television. The best sixth Ranger I've ever seen. I thought. I legitimately thought that we would not get a better sixth ranger than Tommy Green Ranger. Yeah. And I was wrong. I I yeah. was wrong. Jason as the Gold Ranger has been fantastic. He's not even like a Superman character. He's more like Spider-Man, I would say. Because he yeah. has he's not like some huge moral paragon. He has his moments no. of him being human, but he he thinks things through. And even his split decisions where he might make a little bit of a mistake or something like that, he still tries to to make it the best outcome as much as possible, even to the point of being self-sacrificing. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could be Jason. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, it's he he really is an incredible character this season and um uh he he's just he just shines and he deserves to shine as the gold ranger and to like be glorious in this like moment. It just feels it just feels right. And um yeah. Just you got to like, give him the props. He's definitely he's definitely the he's the goat this season for sure. Just like a fantastic send-off, dude. Like I'm telling you, this man lost the power. He was gifted the gift of morphing again. And yeah. even knowing the behind the scenes stuff of his struggle with homelessness and his struggle mm-hmm. with not getting paid enough and all this other stuff with labor rights issues. And then to see him come back in as a surprise character to everybody and give the exact same performance of his best episode of when he was a Red Ranger consistently time and time again to then lose the power again, devastatingly. And and then just feel like I did what I could. I lived with no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere where I could have acted, I acted and I accept that. And I can go to the grave knowing I did what I could do with what I had. And isn't it poetic for him to come back to like this point after like having all that guilt about Tommy losing his powers? And feeling like he was responsible for Tommy losing the Green Ranger powers. Like, after all of that guilt that Jason went through over that, it just really feels appropriate, you know, the way that it all kind of comes to a conclusion. And it's like, he's like, you know, that is, it's just how it goes. It's just how, like, I'm losing my powers now and I get it. Like, I I get it that, like, it wasn't my fault, you know? Yeah. Like it feels he doesn't really say that or anything, but it feels full circle. So Jason wins. <laughs> what's, just a, what's ra- rate just the season a fucking or what? Fantastic send off, dude. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Yeah. Powerful, dude. I can't believe they fucking did it, man. Like I truly, I truly can't believe that they pulled it off. Yeah, it's really good. You've got to be invested. You've got to be invested to enjoy Zio. But if you are invested, this is this is some good shit. Yeah. I think when we when I rank the overall season, I have to take into context what happened behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good and bad. Just like wow, dude. Everything like it reached like a fucking boiling point, you know, with yeah. everything. Yeah, I give it a seven. Yeah, I was kind of leaning like seven, seven point five because I was too. The highs are not quite high enough overall. There are some really good highs, but it still felt like I don't know. There were like. It was just a bit messy. And again, like you, you can't really just show someone an episode of Zeo the way you could like previous seasons. You really can't. Um, you really can't. Um, it, they, they all are just like too deeply tied into these weird 
like ongoing plots and resolving things from years ago and blah blah. So yeah, I I would say also about it like a seven or seven point five maybe. It's really good, but you have to be fully invested. As much as like I don't want to just be like, oh well, because like we're using the filler guide for every season. I don't want to be like, oh well, you know, the filler guide, like I know that there's bad episodes out there and like demerit it too much for that, but I know that there's bad episodes of Zeo and I have to demerit the my ranking just slightly. Like I would be tempted to give it an eight if we watched all of Zeo that existed and there wasn't any more Zeo. You know what I mean? Like, but the fact yeah. that there's bad Zeo out there that's worse than the stuff that we watched, definitely, like, I know that this is, like, a questionable season overall and that the only reason we're able to rate it, rate it this highly is because of the filler guide. <laughs> Honestly? <clears throat> they could have ended it here. Yeah, uh, they jumped the shark with Turbo. I don't want to give away too much. But they jumped the shark with Turbo. Now, that said, to a certain extent, that is enjoyable. Yeah. We'll get more into that, though, in our <laughs> next episode. Honestly, like, if this was the last season of Power Rangers ever, if we had no more Power Rangers, I would be like, holy shit, you should own this. You should, like, fucking treasure it. Like, Every household should have Power Rangers in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I could forgive season two if this was the final season. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. I think I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And I, 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 I think I generally agree. Like, it's a really, it really does like kind of conclude everything. Um, and it's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful season, stunning. And it doesn't feel, it, it feels like the escalation of power and, and things up till this point still makes sense. Um, they're going to stop making as much sense. In turbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't, I just want to talk about turbo so bad. So we better wrap this up soon. <laughs> yeah. I think the last, the last points I want to make about the season is, is that it's great conceptually. It has flawed execution. Uh, I dock it two points, uh, one for behind-the-scenes Billy stuff and Billy's character ultimately uh, and how it was done at the end of the day because uh, they kind of just invented a character out of nowhere. They could have just left him with Sestro. Just be like, hey, you know, he's chilling with me over here. You know, it's already we've already discussed, like, our relationship together. You guys have seen us together. It's normal. Get over it. You know, Bulk and Skull is another point. That whole... Every single time. Uh, they, there was just no good bulk and skull plot, I don't think. Except for maybe one. The love episode with the mischief type character, maybe. And there's no business like Snow Business, mm -hmm. potentially. Uh, that was okay. But uh, yeah, no, that wasn't good. So that's one point. And uh, the, just the, the first half of this season was depressing, almost. Had a depressing vibe. And I'm going to attribute that to King Mondo. Uh, because it felt like a lot of his scenes was just an ex, like an exposition dump. Just a lot of talking. And like, I just couldn't, I could not concentrate on that shit at all. Like, when you get to graduation blues, it's just very sad. You know? Yeah. 
Like, I feel like that that really took it away in the first half. In the last half, it got better, and that was because, you know, King Mondo was like, hey, nothing, what I'm doing is working. But I think that first half, like, depression point where, like, I kept getting, like, King Mondo expedition coupled with, or exposition coupled with uh, just uh, depressing shit on screen. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's where the, the three points come off, and I give it a seven. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. I do. I do generally agree. It's good, but again, like, you have to be invested, and there is a lot of questionable stuff. And definitely, Balkan Skulls suck ass. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I would put it at probably a six if I had to watch all the episodes, uh, but probably even less than that. Obviously, we all know the filler in Power Rangers is bad, but... uh as a standalone season, I would put this at probably more like a six, just because there's just a lot of things would not make sense. Uh, but in the context of, hey, there's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers before this, definitely a seven. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.